Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. Blog Talk Radio. Two men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score, which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football on the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network in conjunction with Swick Enterprises. And we're live from the Wallingford, Connecticut, home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. And I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine. And I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 140-plus years of football history and memorabilia. And you can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. It's at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host. He's a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian specializing in three World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larkin. He hails from Portland, Oregon. Welcome to the show this evening. That, that intro never gets old, Captain. I love hearing it. Tap it along here. I love it. Good, good. Well, we got a lot of news tonight, and we're going to do something different as far as the show is concerned for our listeners. We don't have a guest per se, but we're going to do a recap and a wrap-up of two different major yep. events in the football card and memorabilia world that occurred over this past two weeks. The first thing is the National Sports Collectors Convention in Rosemont, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. 
I'm going to be giving uh-huh. a wrap-up on it. And we're also going to talk about the continuing crisis of cards that have been trimmed and are slapped and have been altered and the debacle that continues to uh, unfold in that area as we speak. So, Uh, Joe, I am going to start first and give a little background on the National. I would like to point out to our listeners that our co-host was not at the National this year. (laughs) He chose a uh, best friend's wedding. A best, best friend's wedding over the National Sports Collectors Convention, the 40th annual, I may add. Yeah. 40th I was annual. attending a wedding in uh, Paisley, Oregon, Central Oregon. In Paisley, Oregon, population 254. And when, wow. when 50 of us hit the, hit, hit the uh, wow. one and only restaurant in the middle of town on Friday, <laughs> they, had, they had to call in advance to make sure they could uh, – That must have been an, an event of all time for the town to get that many people <laughs> yeah, exactly. and to be graced with your funny. presence on top of it. <laughs> with your presence on top of it. So that, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So anyways, I, I will I'll cut to the chase here. Um, I have a little few notes on my recap of the trip uh, to O'Hare Airport, Chicago, the shuttle ride to the convention center, my subsequent checking in at the Hilton, yada, yada, yada. So I flew out on Wednesday morning, unfortunately, from New Haven, Connecticut, with the small airport Tweed, New Haven there, figuring it'd be easier. Brenda was going to drop me off. She drops me off. My flight was supposed to be at 6 a.m. I didn't leave till 10.30 a.m. Oh, and I had, to pick up, I had to pick up a connecting flight in Philadelphia, which was rescheduled on three separate times. So Fast forwarding to my landing at O'Hare, I didn't get to the convention until about 3 o'clock that afternoon, right before it was opening. So uh, I had to get ready very, very quickly for the onslaught of people that came in on Wednesday night. And Wednesday, was, there, was, there were a lot of people there. I was very surprised. Um, they they have some sort of early admission special. I think you get in at 3.30, and then the regular buying public gets in at four or whatever, but it was pretty crowded throughout um, the roughly four and a half hours that it was open there. And I did make several sales. I did talk to some uh, longtime icons of the hobby, including Mike Buzdale, Jeff Payne, and a few other people. And uh, it was very interesting the first night. The immediate topic of conversation, however, uh, kind of led into the issues with the card trimming. And I'm, I'm going to go forward yep. and then step back with that. We uh, did even touch upon it on Wednesday. I figured Thursday being a full day with more people coming into the show, it might be a little more prevalent. Uh, a couple observations that I didn't get a great chance through the course of the show to walk the floor as much as I would have liked to, but I ended up uh-huh. uh, getting – getting to see, you know, what I could see from there and uh, around us. Now, I'm, I'm going to lead off by, uh, I, know I'm, I know I'm not up to par on a lot of current entertainment events and 
social media icons and the like, but we were set up next to a fellow by the name <laughs> of, I think his name was Gary Vees. Does that sound familiar? Or Barry Vees? It does not. Yeah. And um, I did not realize how many people he had at his table through the course of the show until you couldn't get at our tables because his overflow were uh, were kind of cutting into our tables there. So as <laughs> those people know, I set up with Josh Adams of Josh Adams Sports Cards there. And uh, that was our biggest comment with regards to the uh, iconic crowd that he had around his table for the uh, the entire show, to say the least. And I had to research the guy on the Internet. He's some sort of motivational speaker who's worth a lot of money. And um, he definitely has Josh a cult sent me following. A picture. Josh sent me a picture at one point of Dennis Rodman uh, at the table uh, talking. And uh, and and then be, behind it is uh, our surly captain, you know, uh, you know, with, with his arms folded, obviously beautifully mustachioed. Uh, Josh sent that to me during the national. It's just it was comedic. He's like, here's our captain, you know, they cap, you know, here's our captain at work. Uh, it was just it was funny with you know, Dennis Rodman in the foreground, and then. You with yep, your arms yep. folded, sitting at your at your table, and I was just I was laughing. Yep. I was just it was so good. Yeah. And it was funny because I didn't even know that was Rodman until he told me. I mean, I'm, I'm oblivious to the other sports. To be, to you know, to be honest with you, I, I really don't follow them. Yeah, I'm not a big a big social media guy uh, guy with regards to who's hot <laughs> and who's not. I guess this guy's got like four and a half million followers on Instagram. And I, why I why I don't know I I don't understand it but again there's a lot of things I don't understand today so uh, but he had a field day there he was very pleasant to us he said said good morning he said good night and I, we didn't really talk to him in any way shape or form but uh, it was interesting to say the least but getting back to the the actual national um, I, I I did not see in any way shape or form any downturn in people buying graded cards and uh, in t- talking to a few other uh dealers uh, several of them i've never even met before and i just you know talking out loud to them uh they were saying it was a very healthy show for high grade psa cards they also said it was a very healthy show with regards to uh newer material that was graded immediately and, uh, you know, I saw a lot of young people, you know, buying brand new cards, which were graded at X amount of dollars and, and so on and so forth. So I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, again, it's, 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 it is our hobby. And, you know, for a young kid, yep. let's say 13, 14 years old, he's not going to go out of his way to buy a 1958 Topps football comic because he probably has no clue, who, you know, anything about it. But he'll buy a 2017 or 18 Aaron Rodgers card or whatever, or uh, or Tom Brady card. You know what I mean? So that's understandable. I don't have a problem with that. The one thing I saw uh, from my perspective was a lot of publications, a lot of of dealers had publications, and they were not selling in any way, shape, or form. And I was a little concerned about that, to say the least. Uh, I had a pretty good mix of older uh, Street and Smith footballs, uh, some media guides, so on and so forth, Sports Illustrated, 
And I saw very few. Uh, I was kind of surprised by that, to say the least. And uh, a couple other publication dealers that I, I saw there said the same thing to me. So how were uh, sales of Gridiron? Did you pick up any new subscribers? Well, we, we got we got several new subscribers. I met uh, several longtime readers. Uh, I, I gave out a bunch of sample copies there. So it normally takes 30 days to measure it. So it's gonna it's gonna be a while. Uh, the today's mail, I got one new subscription already. So and that was from the national. So we'll, we'll see what happens. So I'm I'm always uh, confident after a show. But the Chicago show seems, for whatever reason, as I said to Josh after a couple a couple times walking, you know, right around us, I see the same people, I see the same dealers, and in a lot of cases I see the same inventory. And uh, take it for what it's worth. I did not see the entire show, so therefore I didn't see some new dealers or whatever. The one thing I found, and I have it in my notes here, that I'm overwhelmed with is now the box-breaking area is now in a separate (laughs) convention room. And there were over 60, count this, 60 dealers doing box breaks and live podcasts from the show, breaking I can't call it wax anymore, but just breaking boxes and opening them up. Incredible. No. I, I mean, I, 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 I really, I'm speechless about them, about it. I, I just don't get it. I mean, I really don't. You know. Incredible. It's, it's I, I don't know how box break works. I mean, it's it's lottery, isn't it? Don't people buy? If there's 36 packs, they sell it for, you know, a hundred dollars, and you get pack number one, two, three, all the way down through. Right. Right, right, right. So you're buying whatever pack they open. You get to own those cards, and hopefully you're going to get a hot card or whatever, an insert card or whatever it may be, autograph card, and, and that's why you're buying the chance on it. So I'm saying to myself, okay, oh. we've, we've progressed basically in the hobby from what used to be realistically wholesale, a 10 to $15 wax box, now to a wholesale, let's say eighty to a hundred dollar box that's retailing for one hundred twenty to one hundred fifty, and obviously a kid isn't going to ask his parents or whatever, can I have one hundred fifty dollars? Can you buy me this box of panini, whatever? You know that just not, that's not going to work. So I don't know how anything is yeah. being marketed today. I mean, I know there's a low end panini somewhere. I have no clue how much it costs a box. I'm sure it's over forty dollars a box. But it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And, again, the action there, and along with the autograph section, was just phenomenal, to say the least. So, um, to me, it was almost like they were spending their money there. Then they took a quick run around the show, looked at things, and then they got got out of there as fast as possible. You know, it's kind of interesting to say the least. Yeah, what's that say for the future of of our beloved hobby? If if the you know if the the kids who are tomorrow's collectors, you know can't afford to buy their own wax, so they go in on a lottery. I mean, yeah, yeah, that sucks. It's, oh well, it just it doesn't it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. But again, uh, as I've always tried tried to do within within the hobby, is let's try to elevate ourselves so that we are a, a respectable hobby. And we're respectable as far as how we treat our hobby. We're not a bunch of of uh, people going in there with sweatpants and a T-shirt and, and uh, you know just trying to flip <laughs> things from one one table to another. 
And unfortunately, I, I got I got that feeling for a little while there at the show, and it kind of bothers me because you're at the premier sports convention show in the country, and I'm seeing stuff I see at a local, you know, show here in town that has 12 tables at it. You know what I mean? So, kind of kind of scary to me to say the least. But yeah, uh, this what it is supposed to be the premier show yeah. where everybody brings their marquee items. Yeah, I hear you. You know, it's just it's you know, and you see the guys with the with the uh, traveling. I'm sorry, the suitcases with the wheels. Are you buying? They open up their wares. You know, it's it's and you know sometimes it's very interesting stuff. Other other times, why would you even bring it to a show like this? You you're never going to sell it type of yeah. thing. So uh, whatever. I mean, that's 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 it is what it is. That's a, that's that's the way uh, you can view it. Now, as far as um, Actual, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. The um, there's a running joke right now in the hobby. Uh, there's 18 beachers being auctioned off all at once. The yep, first saw football that. car. Yeah, and um, we commented <laughs> very very frequently. I did get a chance to run over to to the auction house that was selling uh, uh, auctioning them off. And I didn't make any comments. I just looked at them very quickly. They were the same things I've seen on eBay for years now. And I don't understand why or the logic of any auction house allowing a customer to want to place in an auction 18 cards of the same player, number one, who happens to be, in theory, the first football card. And how do you expect to get maximum value for your auction value. and maximum price if you're going to auction them all off at the same time? Now, I can, I can guarantee you, I know between the two of us, we probably know 50 collectors who would enjoy having one of those <laughs> in their collection one. and would be willing one to pay a reasonable price for it, right? Am yeah. I right or am I wrong? Think about it. So... Okay, so let's right, market right. it for 18 all at once. Maybe we can give them away, and then let's see what happens mm-hmm. with the number one. It, it made no I sense to me. What's I, I, I don't, don't have a Beecher card. I wouldn't mind owning one, but it's not one of those that's on my must-have list. It's it's not a right. it's not a Dunlop, you know. It's not a Nagurski. It's you know, it's just a. Oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't mind picking up a nice-looking example one of these days. But it's one of those where I can be very patient at it. And to see 18 of them hit the market at once, I just kind of chuckle. Because uh, yeah. I forget who the gentleman was, but he was trying to corner the Beecher, Beecher market. Uh, right. And I right. think this represents a fraction, like uh, let's say one-third or, or one-fourth of the amount of cards that are in his collection. And they're probably on the lower end. So mm-hmm. it's it's not wise to, to flood the market with one lowly, thinly traded card like this uh, <laughs> all at once. I mean, this isn't a Steve Larger rookie card, you know, that's everybody wants, that's in popular demand, that's on everybody's top ten list. This is a Beecher. Uh, <laughs> you know, is, is it rugby? Is it football? It's, it's football. It mentions football in the back. But, I mean, it's, you know. This yeah, to me is, I mean, the Dunlop, the, there, there's there's certain people who the Dunlop card is a, eh, I'll, I'll take it or leave it. But, if, right. you know, very obvious it is, you know, 
a a football set, the first football set, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I did, I just I just yeah. could not understand the logic behind that. And as an as an auction house, I I, I personally think the auction house should have just said to the guy, "Listen, we're not going to consign it for you because <laughs> there's no way it's going to sell." And B, it's it's so irrational what you're doing to just put 18 out at the same time. We all know you own 18 of them. I don't know what you're looking well, for. You know what I mean? That, that's what I don't understand just, about it. That's the, the, only, the only person yeah. who's going to take that lot down is a dealer, like Columbia, you know, somebody who's willing to buy yeah, those, yeah. you know, at, at 30 cents on the dollar and then put them on their, you know, you know in their inventory and slowly trickle them out over the next two or three right, years. Right, uh, right. If there's three of them, Maybe I'll buy them and sell them, you know, sell the other right. two I don't want, but not 18. Right. It's just not, as a, to right. a collector, it's not worth it. Uh, exactly. I don't even know 18 friends want a Beecher card, and even if I did, I wouldn't put together that conglomeration, you know, to buy it and divvy it up, you know. Uh, you know, it, you know. I mean, Andy Becker and I once chopped a Walker Packer cleaner set. Uh, you know, that that's a lot different. That's very rare. It's right, cool, right. and there's two of them. Right. You know, right, this right, is, right. let's say, let's say each of these, just for math's sake, let's say each of these, if you sold them separately and trickled them out over time, were worth $100. So $1,800. They're probably going to yep. be lucky to get 500 to $600 for these right now. So right. They're, they're taking a pretty right. major bath on it. Right. Well, apparently the minimum bid is twenty k plus the uh, juice on it, so... I I I I doubt seriously if he's even going to see a minimum bid on it, one way or the other. Because again, like I 1K. said, uh, you know, there there could be fifty collectors who want that uh, want that card, and you know, thirty of them may say, no, "I really don't want it now. I'm not going to overpay for it." Type of thing. Oh wow! And uh, it, it doesn't we're doesn't wasting, really make sense. We're, we're, we're wasting our mental capacity talking about it. Uh, I'd, I'd much rather talk about that uh, PSA 8.5 Nagurski that Heritage has coming up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did not get a chance to go and see any of their stuff that I had auctioning. But naturally, the topic was, among dealers, the crisis in trimming that seems to be gaining a little yep. strength here and there. And one dealer uh, who I talked to said basically – out of the show here, I would say probably 75% of all the dealers understand that there's an issue with graded trimmed cards. And he says the other 25% really don't deal in graded cards and or are totally oblivious to it, so on and so forth. And then he made this comment saying, and I would probably venture to say maybe 5 or 10% of the crowd on the floor actually knows something that is going on. And therefore, they're going to be very hesitant to buy anything, especially anything that's a 9 or a 10, because it is so highly graded, so on and so forth. And I said to him, do you really think it's that low of a figure? And he says, yeah, I really do. So we'll fast forward uh, on, I think it was Friday at the show, and I see these three teenage guys, all they're doing, and they got to be like maybe 16, 17 years old. They, they had literally a box full of graded PSA 9s and 10s from different years, different uh, sports, so on and so forth. 
And they said, they, we're going around, we're buying all the nines and tens we can find. And I said, well, what are you going to do with them? So they're saying, well, you know, we resell them, we trade them, but we really think in the long run these cards are going to go through the roof. And I said, you really do? I said, so if you're, you're paying, let's say, 40 or $50 for a new PSA 9 card, okay, do you really think you're going to get $100 for it down the road? He said, oh, then we're going to get a lot more for that. Get a hot rookie, you know, and it's going to go through the roof. And then I said, well, what happens if the guy, you know, fizzles out? You know, he gets injured or whatever and he's nothing. What do you, what do, you do then? So he says, well, that's a chance to take. So yeah. is that the mentality of our, our market? But at the same time, what is really going on with, with the, the trimmed graded card crisis? Is anything going on? Well, I, I think we've seen it on, uh, you know, some of the chat boards we belong to where, you know, 1948 lease football. Uh, I, I wrote an article, what, three years ago for Good Iron Greats, focused on right. the, two years ago, uh, talking about, I mean, how it is one of the most doctored sets out there just because, uh, you know, of the, you know, the variation in size, how some of them will come, you know, very large and you, and they're susceptible to trimming because you can, you can trim a, a 16th, an eighth of an inch off of a large one. And, and it still fits within regulation size. Uh, if you can recreate those borders. So uh, I've, I've, I've been pretty vocal about years ago, you know, uh, you know, six years ago, I was going after a, a PSA 848 leaf set. And at some point, I realized there was a lot of trimmed cards slipping by the PSA graders, and it soured me so badly. I uh, I sold off all of my Leafs cards and started, but I still love the set. So what I started doing is looking for it in PSA five, six, and seven, that to me are obviously fat bordered, uh, that are mm-hmm. untrimmed, and. Uh, when this whole debacle started, even I went through and looked at all my cards and went, these are cards that I thought weren't trimmed. Let me take one more peek at them. And out of the, you know, 98 card set out of uh, the 70 or so that I have, I probably found about 10 that I'm like, this looks trimmed. Now this looks trimmed to me. Um, Trimming is, I mean, it's eroding our confidence in third party graders, TPGs. It's eroding our confidence in collecting high end cards. Uh, and what that means is when a high-end, you know, 48-leaf PSA 8 card comes up, you're, you know, just like with the Beecher, there's not that many people who want it or collect it. If, if there are 15 people who are after a PSA 8 Sammy Baugh and half of them have a trepidation about buying high-end leaf right now because of the trimming epidemic, that just thins the market out. So, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's destroying prices. Uh, mm-hmm. Who was it? Her- Heritage just had a 48 leaf Bill Dudley PSA 8 that went, and it was beautiful. It was one of the fattest bordered Dudleys slash leaf cards I'd ever seen, uh, and I, I stopped going after higher grade cards. But this had so much meat on it, the card was so obviously untrimmed to me. Uh, I bought it. I mean, and I picked it mm-hmm. up for like eighteen hundred dollars. Whereas, you know, four or five years ago, that was a $5,000 card. Right, right, right. So you were confident when you got the card, it was an un, untrimmed card, it was, a, it was a real card, so on and so forth. Correct, yeah. 
and maybe okay. maybe it was fatter border because the Dudley card is on the edge of the you know edge of the of the sheet. Maybe it was fatter right. and somebody trimmed it, but it doesn't look trimmed to me. And the borders are so big. I don't know. I mean, it, it's really starting to erode my confidence. I mean, uh, you know, when when that PSA eight point five. 35 Chico Bronco Nagurski came out. It, you know, two years ago, we'd all be going, oh, my gosh, you know, time to start recycling cans. Uh, you know, holy crap, I'd sell a kidney for this. Instead of the normal conversation around it being a beautiful card, now the conversation is that bottom, that bottom, uh, you know, the, you know, the bottom looks trimmed. This is trimmed, you know, right. oh, my gosh, can, you know, how do we know? So all of a sudden, if you decide to buy that, Half the people are going to be like, he bought a trimmed card. What a sucker. And, and you know, I mean, it's just uh, it, it's put a put a very dark cloud over our hobby. Just, I mean, as a, you know, questioning TPGs and the quality of our cards. And then also, you know, what our peers are saying. I mean, if, if that card pops up and you're like, I'm going to go after that Nagurski 8.5. And then half the people on the boards are saying it looks trimmed. I wouldn't touch it with a ten foot pole. That definitely right, has right, a right, uh, that right. definitely plays on your mindset. And if you do buy right. it, are you going to tell your friends? Are you going to go to that same thread and say, "Look what I bought"? And half the people are, you know, yeah, like I said, it's 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 tough. Well, so. I think I think what it does what it does is because it's putting such a. Uh, you know, black eye, for lack of a better term, on the hobby, it's going to be more difficult down the road in three ways. Number one, it's going to be literally impossible to sell those trim cards graded as they are graded in the grades they're in, number yeah. one. Yeah. Number two, the investment dollar, I think, is going to be gone out of the hobby for the simple reason, you know, investors looking for the next quick, uh, you know, uh, quick profit type of situation they're they're going to avoid these types of cards seeing everything that's coming out from it and then number three and this is what i think the hobby should be really worried about okay we're how's this promoting collecting in the hobby that's my biggest concern and i'm i'm getting getting a little concerned more than normal seeing the lack of interest in a lot of different aspects of the hobby meaning collecting Whatever it may be, you know, um, older sets, programs, yearbooks, media, whatever the case may be. If there's no new collectors coming into the market, okay, what are we what are we going to do with our collections? So, when time comes to dispose of them, that I think is, should be in on everybody's mind. You know what I mean? Because if you spent X amount of dollars, and for some collectors, I mean they're they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on their collections, what happens then? When they got when they have nothing, you know what I mean. So it's it's problematic yeah. for the hobby, and I, I I really don't believe the the hobby's addressing it in any way, shape, or form. My honest opinion. But that leads us to an issue that occurred at the convention floor, and you have a lot of information on it, and I want you to fill us fill us in on it. And you were you were at the you know at the convention you know at the you know at the you know convention so. But you mentioned you didn't see it, but apparently uh, subpoenas were handed out on, uh, you know, on the on the floor. Uh, the FBI has uh, started an investigation of this of PWCC, 
uh, you know, Brent and Betsy Hudgens, who live here, who live here in Portland, Oregon, Lake Oswego, Oregon, which is right outside of Portland, actually. So, mm-hmm. um, but apparently there, there's been enough uh, empirical evidence being floated around by uh, on you know on things like blowout forums. They've started their own their own thing where they called the the BODA, the Blowout Detective Agency, BODA. So apparently there's enough, uh, there, there's quite a few people of there who are, you know, I tip my hat to them because the investigative work they're doing is nothing short of incredible and time consuming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always tip my hat to people who do these things in a hobby because I certainly don't have the time to do them. But uh, when you, uh, when you have people looking at, you know, a uh, PWCC card and then entering the certification number and, uh, you know, and then, and then going up and down about 20 or 30 cards, you know, and, you know, looking at every, every card that's submitted and checking the grade of it uh, and then seeing which ones were rejected for evidence of trimming. And then once you find the, the card and the grade, let's say you, let's say, let's say you get a hundred cards that were obviously part of that submission. Uh, and then you start looking them up on eBay, seeing where they were sold or auction houses where they were sold. <clears throat> so you start to see, it's like, oh, this card sold for $10,000. And then you start looking for that card on, you know, on PWCC's eBay account. And you're like, ah, here it is. A year, a year ago, they bought this, you know, let's just pick a random amazing card, like a 1977, tops number 177 Steve Largent card. So they bought this amazing <laughs> PSA 9 Largent card, uh, and then a year later, it appears as a PSA 10. Uh, and let's say there's a distinguishing mark on it. Uh, you know, that's a that's a bad example of a card. I mean, I'm trying to be funny, obviously, but you know, it's uh, <laughs> if you can take well, something know, that's I, lower grade, like a yeah, you know. And, and what they're working on now is like a 1914 Cracker Jack. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, but. I mean, it's it's just crazy. Take any take any major star card, or or so let's look at the chickles and, and see what's going on with the chickles. So it's apparent now, a ton of chickles have been trimmed and have been slapped. Am I right or am I wrong? I mean, I, I'm I'm coming to that conclusion. So okay, okay. So now we got to look for the the like you say that there's an identifying mark somewhere on that card. And how did the card yep. go from let's say an eight to a nine or a nine to a ten? How's that possible? And there's and there's no recourse just, just, and there's there's no checks and balances for this going on. This is what amazes me. It's just it's yep. just mind boggling sure. to me. So I'm gonna drop a hundred thousand dollars, let's say, on a card that I know has been obviously trimmed and or cleaned up and the card was a two thousand dollar card two years ago in a grade of eight or whatever. Yep. Does that does that really yep. make sense? I mean uh, it's just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. So what? So well, all right. So not to cut you short on that, but with the FBI and the subpoenas, and, and that was the word that was going on, on around at the show that when we were there. Obviously, I think it was happening more to the front of the building than to the back of the building where we were, to the of the convention hall. So what else can you tell us about that? Well, uh, so apparently there apparently there's enough. Uh, evidence uh, hang on somebody asked me apparently there's enough evidence 
you know, uh, that's appearing on Blowout Forum that uh, people, you know, the FBI got involved in. There's enough evidence to show that PWCC is buying these cards under their eBay account, and then, you know, sometime later, PWCC is selling these cards. Uh, PWCC wow. is not known for buying cards, you know, for their clients or consigners. And if they are known for buying cards, you know, if they, if they do happen to buy a card for their consigner, it's not like they are, uh, you know, going to, you know, doctor that card for their for their right. client. Uh, right. They're definitely not doing that. So, so suddenly you've got all right, uh, you know, let's say you bought this card for a consigner. Did you ship it to them? Did they doctor it? And then did they return it to you? Uh, you know, no, no, they did not. So there is enough evidence to show that PWCC is buying cards, trimming them, getting them reslabbed, and then and then reselling them under their own banner. Which mm-hmm. every time one of these, every time one of these things is exposed, the the, the the bad guys just get a little bit smarter. So okay, it's dumb for me to buy. Who would have ever thought that I bought a card uh, and then? doctored it and then got it slabbed and sold it a year later who would ever thought that somebody would have the time to figure that out well people have figured it out so what you're going to see is not a not a change in business policy by pwcc you're not going to see them you know like stop doctoring cards you're just going to see them be smarter about it so they'll come up with another shill account they'll have you know they'll, they'll have another account that buys the cards and then you know, I, I don't know. It just it it. It's, I, well, I, I have a feeling that they have probably have separate dummy accounts set set up where the, where they can funnel the cards. They can purchase the cards through the dummy account. It then goes into a second account for clearance. Then it gets submitted by a yep. third account, and then it goes and then the third account takes it and then resubmits it back to the original main account. So they might have yep. five, four, or five, six different. Dubbing companies or corporations or whatever, and and they're just, you know, A to B to C and back and forth. Simple. Yep. And the hobbyists will, if 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 PWCC sells, uh, and these are high profile cards. If PWCC sells a, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, PSA five, you know, Nagurski, and uh, but with a, 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 you know, an ink dot you know, by his, by his hand. Right. There are people now who will go back and look for when that card was sold. So they'll look at all sales in the last year, year and a half of Nagurski's until they find that card. Here it is in a PSA three. Okay. This was bought by this. So this person bought this PSA three card. And then a year later it showed up in a PSA five card being sold by PWCC. Okay. So now they've identified the buying eBay ID, and then all they have to do is figure out what else that person, you know, that eBay ID bought, and it's linked to PWCC. If they find right. five cards that were bought by that by that eBay ID that, you know, a year later showed up at PWCC, okay, you have a buying account. So, I mean, they're making it difficult for people, but not impossible. I mean, and, right. you know, I, I tip my hat to these people on Blowout Forum who are doing this. But I imagine they have jobs, and at some point they're going to get bored doing this. Uh, you know, years ago, you know, you had, you know, Mastro get busted in jail time 
you know, for uh, you know, for shilling, uh, for, mm-hmm. for you know, for, for fraud. He went to jail for two years. You know, Mark the the or whatever his name is went to jail also. Mm-hmm. He had like three people go to jail with significant fines. I mean, Mark is back in the hobby. Uh, you, you know, you know, Mastro can't be in the hobby, but you know, the guy squirreled away enough. It's just prison terms and fines did not change the behavior of the hobby. Uh, right. Just because right. Mastro got busted doesn't mean it went away. There are still people right. shilling. PWCC is renowned for allowing people to shill. Uh, so they're still shilling. They're still trimming. So it almost doesn't matter what kind of fines get hand out, handed out here. There will always be bad people in our hobby, uh, right. which is the depressing part. But renowned attorney well, Jeffrey think... Lickman uh, was hired to represent PWCC, Brent and Betsy. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw the video of somebody jamming a camera and Betsy Hudgens, uh, the, you know, the co-owner of PWCC's face, and asking her questions about the difference between conservation and trimming, <laughs> you know, because they're very famous in saying there's a difference between conserving a card and trimming it. Right. And, and you know, and, but, and in my opinion, again, for the people who, who are truly in the hobby and uh, who enjoy the hobby and those people who, you know, ethically make a living from the hobby, it's a serious issue, and again, to me, it's just—it's almost like it's getting swept under the rug again. So here we go again. We got a master-like type of situation. So a couple people are going to be the fall guys, and then what are we going to be talking about this two years from now about something else? You know, it's the same, same exact scenario almost, only with different characters and, and a different a different uh, blend on the theme of basically falsifying something that's not there to try to earn a greater profit. And that's what it really comes down to. And uh, I don't know. I I go back a long time when people ask me, you know, you really need to get on the bandwagon for for graded cards. And I said, no, because I said, I I really don't believe in them. And if I'm going to take immediate hits financially by not grading stuff, so be it. That's the way I feel about it. You know, uh, I just don't think I, I, I will match my grading by eye against any quote-unquote professional grader who's 30 years younger than me that spends five seconds on a card before they grade it. That's the way I feel about it. You know what I mean? So uh, it's, it's a definite issue. And it's, it's, to me, it's, it's soured a lot of people. And I think what, who it's soured yeah. are, the, are the older, a lot of the older people in the hobby. I really do. Because they're saying to themselves, well, what do I got, an inventory of garbage? You know, or do I have, do I have yeah. legitimate cards type of thing? You know? Yeah. So uh, the bad situation. It's really, really a bad situation. I just, I just kind of hope the hobby somehow, somewhere finds it in itself to realize it has to police itself. You know, you just can't have this. Uh, you know, you can't. Uh, like I said to Josh at one point, I said I feel like I'm in the wild, wild west here. You know, there's no rules, there's no laws. Do whatever you want. You know, and that's what that's what the grading crisis. Reminds me of, you know, don't tell me what to do. Well, I can do anything, you know. We've been through WeWag. We've been through, you know, uh, we've been through Mastro. We've been through shilling accusations and et cetera. We've seen a lot of stuff come and go, sadly, Bob. Uh, this one has a lot of energy right now. And when the FBI gets involved, you know, it, it adds that oomph. 
so th- this one seems like it's got sticking power. Uh, so, okay. P- PWCC, uh, Lickman, ha- Lickman said that PWCC is cooperating with the FBI. You know, who knows what that level of cooperation is or what that means. It's, uh, but well, I'm sure it's police I'm sure it's plea bargains all the way. I mean, what, what can we do to get off with the with the with the uh, easiest uh, sentence and or suspended or whatever or fineness or whatever? But you know, don't don't make us pay for or you know don't make us pay by going to jail type of thing because that's going to bankrupt bankrupt us so on and so forth. I heard a couple comments from guys at the show that there was absolutely nobody at their booth, uh, very few customers and the like. So. That that was interesting to me, but then again, there are, again the people who never don't know what's going on, and I'm sure they you know frequented it over there, so on and so forth. And I really believe the national made a poor choice in allowing them to set up too. And that's my honest opinion. I know I know it didn't fly at the national when I told a few people, but I said you know they're under investigation. Why do you have them setting up here? What's the point of it? You're going to lose that much revenue by by giving them their money back and telling them you're not allowed to set up here. Think about it, you know. And it, yeah, it, it take it in bad. any type, take it in any type of business situation. If you got a known fraud setting up at your convention, for example, you know you're in, you're into um, electric service and so on and so forth. If you had a known fraud set up at an electric convention like that, would you want them there? You know, and no, knowing that they were going to, you know, yeah. makes no sense. I don't know. It really doesn't. Doesn't make any what sense. Do you, what do you think here, Bob? Does this uh, does this one have? I mean, okay, P, PWCC cooperates. Gary Moser. I mean, uh, all these known shillers, the Scurbies, the you name it. All these, all these, you know, all these yeah. Yahoos yeah. who are, you know, trimming cards for a living, and then fencing them through PWCC. You know, we've already seen they stopped sending it through PWCC. They They've just started filtering it out through other auction houses. Is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, is, is mile high when somebody comes to them and says, hey, check out this, this PSA 6 Nagurski, is mile high going to, you know, refuse that kind of consignment uh, if, right. if it's Gary right. Mosier? I mean, I guess that's what you almost you need because, right. Gary, you know, for, for Mosier to sell it, he's gotta, it's got to appear in his name. Uh, you know, to get yeah. to get paid, but big deal. Then he goes to his sister and says, "Hey, can you consign this?" You know, let's say she's got a married name, so you know mm-hmm. her maiden name's Mosier, and now it's Smith. So all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Susie Smith consigns a bunch of cards. So the you know it, it doesn't take much for all right. We blackballed Mosier. He can no longer submit. All of these auction houses have said these seven people are blackballed. We will no longer take commissions from them. And Mosher says, mm-hmm. well, BFD, all right. Well, I give it to my sister. She consigns them. You all know, right. All right. Just at some point, the auction houses need the consignment. And if Susie Smith calls them and says, I've got these 10 cards to sell, they're like, wow, those are amazing. Yes, we'll take it. Susie mm-hmm. Smith gets mm-hmm. the check, then she writes the check to, to her brother Gary and keeps five points. I mean, mm-hmm. geez, that, that's the simplest way around it, and it is almost impossible to track. Yep, and uh, and again, it makes no sense to me whatsoever because again, we're we're back to square one again. 
So if there's no tracking ability and the greater cards still keep coming on the market, uh, you know, it's it's done for. To say the least, it's really done for. And uh, I I really believe that the authorities need to go after the trimmers. They need to go after the places like a PWCC who's actively selling it and promoting this stuff. And, you know, you've got to stop it at the source. And that's what it comes down to. Well, that's the source of the you know? Is that going to happen? That's what, that's what I, has I, to happen. The, root, the, the weed needs to be pulled out by the roots and all, which is uh, the other trimmers need to see somebody like Mosier go to, go to jail. It's like, okay, you were malicious. Yeah. You were, you know, with malice, buying a card, trimming it, getting it graded, and then selling it for profit. You knew this was trimmed. But then he's got an out. We've heard several attorneys. He's got an out. Well, I sent it to PSA. They're the ones who authenticated it. I mean, you know, but you're committing committing fraud. You are trimming a card and sending it to something with the intent to commit fraud, with the intent to mislead the grading company. Well, at the same time, Uh you know, I get the grading company has to do a better job at a, and, you know, not to criticize anybody because everybody's so sensitive to criticism of the grading, grading companies. They need to get their act together and, and spend a little more time on a card of that magnitude and of that value to make sure as to not grading it correct or grading it correctly and grading it as an altered card. And that's it. And only now, probably after the last three or four months, I'm sure any of that is happening. Because as fast as, a, as a, for example, a nag would come in or a name that's rookie or whatever it may be, whatever big ticket card it is, you know, it's, it gets thrown in the slab as fast as possible and graded, so on and so forth. And, and it's garbage. It's garbage as far as I'm concerned. So there's a lot you're, of blame you're starting all like, around. Yeah. You're starting to look like a lot of blame guy for all not, around. not grading stuff, aren't you, Bob? Yeah. I, I, just, I keep waiting for the uh, I told you so from the captain, you know. Mm-hmm. I told you guys not to be graded. Well, they're they're not to me. They're not. They're just not. They're not doing their job. I mean, you know, if their job is only just to you know automatically give a nine or a ten to these types of cards, okay. So, so how are you grading the card? What are you looking for? Yeah. Are you actually you know actually you know putting it under a scope? Are you actually seeing print lines? Are you seeing evidence of trimming? Kind of, yeah. kind of difficult not to see it in, in a card that that's old, sure. almost a hundred years old. You know. I don't know if you noticed this, but PSA did a uh, did a tweet on their Twitter account, you know, saying you know solid gold, blah blah blah. I mean, they're just talking about you know the value of cards, and the card that they used was a uh, 1970 uh, PSA 10 Joe Namath card, and the card has appeared on a list of uh, of Mosier submitted cards that were trimmed. So uh, so PSA used a a known trim card as an advertising uh, as an advertisement to show the value of PSA, you know, a grading. <laughs> it was just it's just it's one of those you know bad mistakes. Uh, MSN.com had uh, an article they ran this morning uh, about subpoenas being handed out at the national. Uh, you know, it, this is starting to become mainstream when, uh, you know, my local paper, the Oregonian had a uh, article about a week ago about a Oregon company, you know, being investigated for, you know, fraud and trimming of cards. And so it's starting to, starting to appear. And 
yeah, these might be slow news days, but one way or the other, you know, the FBI, it's got FBI attention. Something has to change. Behavior has to change. I mean, the way, you know, the trimmers have to go, oh, my, Mosier just went to jail, federal prison for mm-hmm. five years and a $500,000 fine. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not going to do that mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, or maybe that's the be- the way behavior has to change. Uh, I mean, otherwise, you know, this vicious cycle appears. There's another, there's another trimmer behind it. Or maybe Mosier trims them and hands them to somebody else. He can he can go underground very easily, and this stuff gets fenced. I mean, and you know, it's uh, it, it's it's yeah, it's really really bad for our hobby. I hope yeah. this doesn't blow over. I hope this ends the way Mastro did, where somebody's going to jail and somebody's barred from ever being involved in the hobby again. Uh, I really hope that. I, but you know, one thing that won't change is just everybody's knowledge that there are a lot of trimmed cards out there in slabs, and that erosion mm-hmm, of our mm-hmm. confidence is is, mm-hmm. is killing our hobby, and it's going to kill prices of of the items in our hobby for a long, long time. Right, right, and just doesn't you know? Again, it makes sense because profit is involved, money's involved, money. Causes people to do strange things, and we yep. I'm not going to make this an ethical uh, a lecture on ethics, but you know, as I just kept saying throughout the show, this hobby really needs to get its act together. And uh, I, 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 there are a lot of positives in the hobby. We always try to focus yep. on the positives of the hobby, but something like this to me is just, is just beyond beyond comprehension. And again. You're correct in saying how many trimmed 48 leaves are out there, how many trimmed chickles are out there, how many trip big starkers are out there that are in slabs and we have no way of knowing. And uh, uh, that, that's garbage. Mm-hmm. That's really garbage. That, the hobby deserves better than that. That's that, that's the way I feel about it. And, uh, you know, I just don't get excited when somebody hands me a slab of plastic with a card shoved in it. You know what I mean? Cards were meant for breathing. <laughs> And they were yeah. meant to be in nine pocket sheets or whatever. You know, that's yeah. the way I, the way the I depressing, the, the depressing thing is there's a PSA 8.5 Nagurski up for auction right now. You right. and I should be right. talking about, you know, how rare it is to see a PSA 8 card. There's six of them known to exist. And we had Robert Casterline on a couple of weeks ago. He owns two of them. Yeah. I know where yep. one. I think I know where the. I know where two more are, but I mean these cards are mysteries. So when an eight point five yep. comes up and you know usurps all of those, it's like holy crap. We should be talking about that, and instead the conversation revolves around we think it's trimmed, which is a stain on yep. the card, which which just sucks. We should be celebrating yep. this card, and instead it's the opposite. We're questioning it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I agree with you 100% on that because, you know, something like that coming to the market, it's great for the hobby, great for the market, great for football card collectors, great for that collector who wants that for his collection, and what ends up happening. You know, we we got to talk about if it's real or not. Uh, that's pathetic. That really is pathetic. But, uh, it, it really bothers me to no one, to say the least. All right, we're, we're down to our two-minute warning. Uh, incredible 
how fast they are once it is. But again, we were talking about some serious stuff here, and again, it kind of, it kind of, it kind of put a damper on my experience at the national. I love going to the national every year, see guys and see my friends, see people who I haven't seen all year, talk to people I've been friends with. Um, And I always use the example Mike Mike Rich. I saw Mike uh, ended up he ended up coming to our dinner on whatever night it was at at the show and. I told a couple of guys there, you know, Mike and I have been trading cards for 31 years. We have never had $1 pass between the two of us for all the cards we traded from day one. And I said, you know, we never really thought twice about it. You know, we were just trying to help two guys trying to help each other with their collections because we were advanced collectors and we had the common thread, the common view of what we collected and what we liked to collect. And his knowledge of oddball and insert cards is phenomenal. And I love those. And I, I have a pretty good background in them. And that's to me what the hobby was, is and will always be about to me. You know, the friendly camaraderie of trading, something many kids did, you know, way back when. But it's morphed into yep. a multi-billion dollar business that in many cases is very corrupted. And that's the sad part about the hobby. And that's the part that I, that really bothers me, especially as I get older in the hobby, and I realize, you know, I'm not going to live forever. And at the same time, I, it's it's just not right. It's not going to bring new collectors in the hobby. So that's my two cents on it. And again, people know I used to be made fun of because I never got integrated cards, but now I think a few <laughs> people are saying, a few people are saying themselves, so uh, I think uh, Swook was right. You know, I I think uh, a lot of what he said basically 25 years ago is coming true now so all right we're down to two minutes go any other thoughts bob we're making fun of you for a lot of other things other than uh (laughs) collecting ungraded cards well we we kid because we love we we, we kid because we love (laughs) we um we we gotta we gotta really see how this plays out, I think, in the long run. And I think both of us and a lot of other people would be disappointed if it, if it wasn't really superly addressed the way it should have been addressed. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's what it's going to come down to. But yeah. it is what it yeah. is. Now, for those, for those who don't know, next year the uh, Nationals in Atlantic City, uh, a lot of individuals uh. don't like going to Atlantic City for a variety of reasons. For me, it's nice because I drive uh. down there. I can bring bring a lot more inventory and uh, just, just to what everybody's appetite for next year, the uh, national Atlantic city, the year after it's back in Chicago again. And I know. Well, how Carolina long does it take you to drive down there? To Atlantic city. It's, it's a little, yeah, less than four right. hours. Yeah. It's easy. Really? It's an easy drive. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so, I uh, maybe I fly to uh, fly to the uh, home of Gridiron Greats and we uh, we come will it down, Captain. Yeah, yeah. You'd be right, right right up. With me. Be a road road trip you'll I'd never actually, forget. I like that. <laughs> All right, we're almost out of time. Again, if you don't subscribe or don't read Gridiron Greats magazine, check out our website gridirongreatsmagazine.com. I also announce I'll keep valid for anybody who received the sheet at the National for the special one-year $25 subscription. It's still good, and and I told everybody it would be good for 60 days. So please, if you're interested in subscribing, subscribe today. All right, Joe, we're out of time. 
Uh, we're going to have a couple more shows coming up hopefully this month. I'm working on a few guests. Final thoughts, and we're going to close it. Joe, still there? Uh, I'm, you, yeah, I'm sorry. I thought you were wrapping up. Did you, did you say final yeah, thoughts? Okay. I, I have some ideas. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was just kind of wistfully looking out my uh, looking out my window. Just uh, yeah, I apologize. Final thoughts? No problem. No problem. Man, it, it, it's it's a bummer. This is a bummer. I'm just uh, I was yeah. literally just thinking about a PSA 8.5 Nagurski and how good that would look in my collection, but uh, it's not meant to be, Captain. It is what it is. We're wrapping it up. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back in a, a week with a new show. Thanks for listening. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.